This is the murderer you know. I looked up the definition of banter because I love bantering. Oh. And it says banter is teasing or joking talk that is amusing and friendly. Ooh. So definitely that is us. Definitely. We are bantering. Definitely. All right. Well, thank well. you for educating all of us. <laughs> I live to serve. <laughs> well, we are back on our men behaving badly shit. <laughs> okay. Sort of in our theme of parasides still. One of our stories today is a is a bit of a stretch. It is not a parasite, but it is a man behaving badly. For our first story, we're taking it all the way back to 2007. And I remember this happening. I think I've mentioned on the podcast before. In fact, I was in high school and our school was only two miles away from the place where this happened. Mm. And we were actually placed on a lockdown during that school day. Wow. So this is the story here, which is not a Parrots in Paris case, but is a story of attempted revenge for a very sad person. Our story begins in the last weeks of 2006, when a 53-year-old fisherman developed a pit deep in his stomach. A pit? A pit of anxiety and fear. Oh. He had seen a strange phone number in his wife's phone for months. He noticed she was calling this number at least once a day. And more recently, he found a business card with a man's name and that same phone number in his wife's purse. I guess this was before burner phones. <laughs> she doesn't sound like she's... You think people have burner phones <laughs> to cheat on their husbands? Well, you should. <laughs> Instead of, like, having your boyfriend's business card in your wallet <laughs> and 5,000 calls to him in a day, come on, cover your tracks, girlfriend. She apparently is another one of these that didn't watch enough. What is it? CSI, Law and Order. <laughs> I don't remember. Obviously. So the husband, who people described as a hard worker and a dedicated family man, was really stewing about this. He thought about asking her what was going on, but he just couldn't quite commit, and he was sort of waffling around on that idea. Aha. Uh -huh. Now, on March 3rd, while he was reading the local newspaper, he saw an ad for a local car dealership, and there it was. That phone number he had been obsessing over for weeks. Hmm staring at him from the page of the newspaper. She just was talking to somebody about buying her husband a car for his birthday. <laughs> I mean, it's certainly on. possible. Don't be so suspicious. Well, I mean, and what exactly? I don't know how X-rated this could have gotten if she's calling him every day at work. For whatever reason, seeing this phone number associated with a car dealership gave him the confidence to finally confront his wife. Aha. Uh -huh. He simply asked her if she had been seeing someone and she confirmed that she had been. The I love how these people crumble immediately. 
Well, maybe she had been like waiting. A, well, that's true. Maybe she wanted, wanted to tell him. And this was finally, he opened the door and she was like, oh, yeah, golly, been meaning to tell you. It's all over. <laughs> Strange. This admission on her part apparently really broke his heart. And he just basically had a meltdown and went out into his shed. Initially, he thought about killing himself. He grabbed his loaded gun and a six-pack and spent the evening driving around, drinking, and apparently thinking of suicide. Very sad. Incredibly sad. Apparently, though, at some point in time, probably after a couple of drinks, his sadness sort of turned to anger and curiosity. And apparently this guy basically didn't sleep after learning about this. So I'm sure the sleep deprivation wasn't helping this entire situation. Sleep deprivation, too much alcohol, too much rage. Yeah, very bad combo cocktail of... (sighs) On March 5th, in this dangerous combo cocktail... In the early morning hours, he attempted to discuss the budding relationship with his wife, but she basically refused to talk to him about the relationship. Hmm. So he got back in his truck and drove down to the car dealership from the ad in order to talk to her 47-year-old suitor instead. Hmm. He arrived shortly after 8, although the car dealership wasn't open yet, and he went inside and asked to speak with the man from the business card. There were around 8 or 10 employees already there, but this particular man was not among them. After being told that this guy would be in soon, the jilted husband went back outside to wait in his truck. I'm assuming he still had his loaded gun with him. Yes. Another bad decision. Mm -hmm. A short time later, another employee apparently went outside to check on him in his truck. They asked if there was anything they could do to help him, and he just reiterated that he was waiting for this other man. Now, the theoretical lover, none the wiser to what was awaiting him at work, was commuting Mm -hmm. in just as he did each morning from his home about 20 miles away. Apparently, he recently moved back into the area with his wife to live with his father for a fresh start after declaring bankruptcy. Just like he did every morning, he stopped at the gas station to pick up the New York Times and the Daily Press, as well as a coffee and some cigarettes. This is probably why he was bankrupt. I had the exact right. same thought. Newspapers Here and you are, and cigarettes. $20 on the way into work every morning. Yeah, I mean, that that adds up. But also my thought was, well, he's married too, then that could potentially explain why he was only talking to this other woman from work. Yeah. Around 8.20, he arrived to work. He gathered all of his newspapers and his <laughs> cigarettes, and he headed toward the showroom. But he was stopped by another man in a white pickup truck, the husband, of course, who asked him to confirm his name. A few brief and increasingly heated words were exchanged, and then the supposed boyfriend could be seen retreating toward the showroom. Witnesses inside the dealership then heard at least three shots fired at 824. Good Lord, that's got to be scary. 
so scary. Right, he collapsed right in front of you know car dealerships. A lot of times have all those windows. So oh, he yeah, collapsed. The glass windows. Mm-hmm. He collapsed right in front of some windows like that. Everyone inside would have seen what was going on. Yeah, and they're probably thinking they have no protection because they're just surrounded by glass. They don't know what's going on if this guy's just like gone berserk. Mm-hmm. So the fleeing man collapsed and the gunman returned his truck and dropped his 38 caliber Smith & Wesson revolver onto the passenger side floorboard and then went to the back of his truck and sat on the tailgate. Oh, so he didn't attempt to escape or elude anybody. He just was waiting. At least for a second, maybe he wasn't planning on staying there long. Maybe he just wanted to collect his thoughts. He didn't have much time. If, if he was planning on leaving, he didn't have the time to, ultimately. Because here's what I didn't know. Now, obviously, the boyfriend's co-workers called 911 and dispatch notified officers in the area of what happened. Since the closest officers were actually resource officers at the high school, they put the school on a lockdown and left the school to report to the scene of the crime. Wow. Now, meanwhile, this guy has been shot. He's collapsed in front of the dealership and nobody's like crawled out to pull him inside. He's just laying there. There was no indication in the very small, short document I received that anyone went outside to try to help. Wow. But to your point earlier, they didn't really know if this guy was still out there ready to shoot more people or what. Yeah. And again, they didn't have much time because when the officers left the school, they only put it on a 15 minute lockdown, apparently. And actually, I read that there were complaints from some of the parents of students who were mad because they felt like if the situation was dangerous enough for a lockdown, the resource officers should have stayed with the students at their post. But the sheriff's office actually credited the quick action of those resource officers with the swift apprehension of the shooter because no other officers were anywhere near as close. And leaving immediately to go to the scene of the crime allowed them to arrive only two minutes after shots were fired. If by a lockdown, the doors were slammed and gates were put down and they were really locked, if you needed a tank to break into the high school, Mm -hmm. I think the students were probably safe and they probably were all in their classrooms. No doubt weren't walking around the halls or anything. They probably had everybody corralled in rooms I wouldn't criticize them for making that call as long as the school was really locked down. I know where the dealership is and I know where the school is. So they were close. Mm -hmm. And since they arrived so quickly, they were able to immediately take the alleged shooter into custody. But an ambulance hadn't been dispatched. And they were able to get the victim to the hospital where he was unfortunately pronounced dead at 9.05. Sad. Awfully sad. Okay, so an ambulance was called. The resource officer showed up. The officers also blocked off the parking lot with crime scene tape. And they placed cones in the parking lot where shell casings, blood, and other items were found in at least five different locations. So many bad choices people make. Mm-hmm. Yeah. His aunt was actually quoted as saying, my nephew was a bigger than life character, but unfortunately bigger than life characters leave a bigger than life hole in your heart. Three people made very bad decisions, but unfortunately 
only my nephew is dead. I think that's actually fortunate. I mean, the guy could have killed his wife, gone and killed this guy, and then killed himself. So that I mean, I don't real. think she means too bad everyone <laughs> didn't die. I think she just means that her nephew died and it sucks. Yeah. It does. It does. Now, husband here, he was initially charged with first degree murder and use of a firearm in the commission of a felony. Mm. But unlike the other cases we've covered so far in this little subsection of men gone wild, he pled not guilty. And so he went to a jury trial on the 10th and 11th of December of 2007. And this had happened what month? March. Well, that's still pretty quick. Yeah, I don't know why it was quite so quick. Maybe there weren't a lot of murders in the county at that time, so he got pushed to the top. The last murder before this was actually three years prior, I think in 2004. Seems like we're not getting three years between murders anymore. You think? Maybe more like three months? Kind of weird. The whole world has gone mad. Mm-hmm. So he pled not guilty. He mm -hmm. went to trial. Now, this is interesting. And part of the reason why I was excited to get to cover this story, even though it's relatively short, because we've talked about this being a vibe before. And maybe we even covered one case. I was thinking of that 7-Eleven shooting. I think the episode is called Taquitos or something like that, <laughs> where this happened as well. But in this case, the jury was actually presented with options for what he would ultimately be convicted of. Because, yes, he pled not guilty, but he wasn't trying to say he didn't kill this other man. That would basically be ludicrous. Everyone saw it happen. There's probably video footage. I mean, it's a car dealership. But what he was trying to say, and his team, of course, not just him, was that it wasn't premeditated or any of those other things we discussed last week that would make it first degree murder. Hold on. I got to just jump in here. <laughs> It's not premeditated. The guy's driving around the county uh -huh. drinking with a loaded gun. Uh -huh. He goes to the dealership. He asks for this guy by name. They say he's not here yet. The guy drives up. He confronts him and he pulls out a gun. The guy starts running and he kills him. But it apparently. Very premeditated <laughs> to me. <laughs> what had happened was, though. <laughs> Oh. That he just wanted to talk to him. Oh, right. He right. only had the gun because he was thinking about killing himself, remember? Mm. And for whatever reason, I guess the conversation was not going well. And when the guy ran away, I guess he panicked that he wasn't going to get to have this conversation. <laughs> and he shot him in the heat of the moment. Uh. And so his team was actually pushing for manslaughter. The prosecutors were pushing for first degree murder. And the jury was given a third choice on top of both of those of second degree murder, which is right in the middle of the other two options. I would have gone for first degree murder. But that's just me. You know me. I like, I like old Smokey to be charged up. Oh my God. <laughs> Oh, old Sparky. I'm sorry. <laughs> Poor okay. Sparky. Don't even know her name. <laughs> so he claimed it was manslaughter. Yes. And he actually testified 
on the stand at the trial. And he said all of these things. I've already mentioned, he just wanted to talk to the other guy. He doesn't know what happened, but basically he just snapped and shot him without realizing what he was doing. And of course, some other interesting things came out during the trial as well. For one, this might be my favorite. His wife said that although she had been communicating with this man daily, since meeting him eight months before at the restaurant she managed, they were not involved in any sort of a relationship. Emotional, really? physical, there was no relationship. Although she did, as we remember, confess to being involved with someone. So were the phone calls the involvement she was referring to? Were her feelings for the other man what she was referring to? Was there some other guy she actually was having a relationship with and it wasn't this guy so she testified that she had been talking daily to this guy for eight months mm -hmm. but there was no affair or emotional connection did she just think he had a good sense of humor i mean i yeah I i'm don't not understand sure why she was talking to him i would love to know how it was explained or if there was another guy that was mentioned or what i mean she was there and she she took the stand, but we don't have all of the details about what she said. Hmm. I wonder if she testified for the defense or the prosecution. Well, isn't there another thing, too, where you can't testify against your spouse? Oh, true. She so have... she must have testified for the defense. You're right, because they, she could not be compelled to testify against her husband. So you're right. She must have testified in his defense willingly. But that's yeah, which not... is interesting. Yeah, but that's not, that doesn't really help his story to say, oh, no, he was just some guy I like to exchange knock-knock jokes with on a <laughs> daily basis. <laughs> on the other hand, he says that she told him she was involved with somebody. With somebody. Right. But we don't know who that somebody was. Well, there we were some other interesting options, things options. Okay. that I wanted to mention. Of course, the medical examiner testified that the car salesman had been shot once in the shoulder and three times in the back as he attempted to flee. Mm. Which I guess, depending on how you look at it, I mean, that does kind of look like rage, heat of the moment, maybe. Just Looks panic like shooting. <laughs> It looks like this guy was a really good shot if he could put three right in this guy's back. In my opinion, continuing to pile on top of this man, the prosecution played a phone call between him and his son after he was arrested and being held. In part of the conversation, the husband said that he told his wife, quote, somebody is going to wish somebody had talked to somebody, end quote. <laughs> after... Oh, well. <laughs> she refused to discuss her relationship with him on March 5th when he tried mm. to talk to her. And later, his son demanded, quote, why couldn't you call him? You had his phone number. Or did you intend to let your gun do the talking? Ooh. Yep. The Commonwealth's attorney also asked the jury to reject the lesser charges, stating, quote, actions speak louder than words. He'd been brooding all weekend, drinking, riding around with a loaded gun. At some point, he's got killing on his mind. Mm. Ultimately, though, in a weird twist, I think, the state was unsuccessful in convincing the jury that the crime was premeditated. Mm. And after three hours of deliberation, 
the jury convicted the shooter of second degree murder instead of first degree. Three hours. That's quick. There must have been something that they... That really indicated to them that he did just snap. He apparently had a lot of supporters in the courtroom. He was a well-liked guy. He was known for being a hard worker, being kind, soft-spoken, just really caring about his family. (laughs) Doesn't this sound like last week? No criminal record whatsoever. Like literally, (laughs) I think he had a speeding ticket one time when I looked him up. So I'm sure some of those people testified on his behalf as character witnesses. I'm sure. I'm I'm sure sure that might have had something to do with it. And, you know, small community. Maybe there were people on the jury who, I'm not saying were good friends, but they knew somebody who knew somebody who Mm -hmm. knew him, whatever, Mm -hmm. whatever. And a lot of people probably thought his wife was scum and, you know, that that would send anybody over the edge. Potentially. So he gets convicted of second degree murder. Yeah. And probably no one remembers from last week. So reminder that this charge, the lesser charge of, no, manslaughter would have been less, but this was at least a lower charge than first degree murder, carries a sentence of five to 40 years in prison. So after another two hours of deliberation, the jury recommended a sentence of 14 and a half years in prison for the murder and three and a half years for the weapons charge. For a total of 18 years, which was, according to the judge, within four months of the midpoint of the recommended sentence under Virginia guidelines. Is that good or bad? (laughs) I guess it just means that it's a reasonable sentence. They stuck right there in the middle, Mm -hmm. somewhere between five and 40 years. And on March 3rd, 2008 which was the one year anniversary of that conversation with his wife, where she told him she was involved with someone, the killer was officially sentenced to 18 years in prison. The victim's father apparently became so emotional and not for the first time during the trial that he had to be escorted from the courtroom by the bailiffs. The murderer will be 71 when he returns to some much depleted version of the life he knew before. Well, I just added 18 to 2007, and yeah, might get out next year. Oh my god, that's shocking to me. Yeah, and you think that's shocking that 2007 was 18 years ago. (laughs) When you were in high school. My goodness. Maybe after he did shoot him, he maybe the reason he sat on the tailgate of his truck was he was like, oh, shit, what have I done? Mm-hmm. Maybe it finally hit him. I've just shot somebody. Maybe. I wonder what the uh, wife did. I know. I always wonder, are they still married? There are people, probably not in this case, <laughs> since she was already apparently cheating on him but there she are people really who cheating. stay well she said she was <laughs> so either she was talking about this dude or she was talking about somebody else i know I or know. she thought something of this dude even though they hadn't crossed that line or she yeah. was just trying to make her husband jealous by telling him that she was involved with someone but she was lying well she was obviously involved with the car dealer guy whether it had gone to all the way to physical 
there was obviously some spark there that had them chatting away every day. Apparently this card dealer was described as highly intelligent, funny, and sophisticated. Maybe Mm. she just wanted some sophistication. Maybe he was intellectually stimulating. Well, he did read the New York Times every day. And the Daily Press. Well, yeah, well, let's, you know, come on. Is that not sophisticated? (laughs) Excuse me. I don't think so. Probably even (laughs) her husband read the Daily Press. Oh, scumbag. (laughs) The Daily Press, read by murderers (laughs) everywhere. I can't, I'm in shock still that next year one get out. 71 when he gets out. He just wasted his whole life. It's just awful. It is awful. Into other awful things, I have another quick and interesting story here. Oh, our our smorgasbord, remember? Is that how you say that word? Smorgasbord. (laughs) Oh, by the way, I don't think I said. Welcome to episode 83, everyone. (laughs) Smorgasbord. I sort of like the charcuterie of murder. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, I guess then it will be a charcuterie. Can't complain. I do love a charcuterie. Our next little, I don't know. Heavy-duty sprinkle, a large sprinkle, because this one is very short, took place more than 15 years later, but only eight miles away from car dealership scenario. It was July 6th, 2022, and a 69-year-old woman and her 64-year-old husband were preparing for their daughter's upcoming wedding on Sunday the 10th. Mm. The woman had been sick for a very long time and was often in horrible, unbearable pain. And she actually had a surgery scheduled for the week after her daughter's wedding. Whatever her situation was, she was looking forward to her daughter's wedding and she wanted nothing more than to be there on that special day. (sighs) In a very devastating turn of events though she did not make it to the happy day now no days it was just days away right Mm -hmm. now no one knows exactly what happened in this couple's home on the 6th of july but shortly before 6 p.m the husband's stepson called 911 and told the dispatcher that he just received a call from his stepfather in which his stepfather told him that he killed his wife and was thinking about shooting himself. At 6.09 p.m., officers responded to the address given by the third party who called 911, the stepson, and they were met with the homeowner and supposed confessed murderer. The man was apparently really upset and he wouldn't comply with commands given by the officers. So they actually tased him in order to get him under control and in order to enter his home. And once they entered the home, they quickly located the man's wife dead inside with an apparent gunshot wound to the head. A pistol was also recovered at the scene. That's how it was worded in the criminal complaint. (laughs) But later they said it was actually in his waistband. I'm surprised if he had a gun in his waistband that they just didn't shoot his ass. Maybe they couldn't see it. Might have been concealed. True. 
So after being tased and after they saw what happened inside, of course, they took him into custody. Now, almost immediately, like we're talking while being handcuffed, while being walked to the car, put in the car, door slammed, he told the detectives about his wife, about what happened, that she was very sick, that she was in a lot of pain, that his wife just couldn't take the pain anymore, and that she asked him to kill her which he did not want to do. But wait a minute. Wasn't her daughter getting married like in two days? Yep. Who says I want to be shot before my daughter's wedding and miss her wedding and ruin her day? I mean, it feels like no one. We don't really know. Yes. We're just looking from the complete outside of this situation with very, 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 very little information. Like I said, Heavy sprinkle, but I did want to briefly touch on this because it is an interesting situation that we haven't seen in a case that we've discussed before. I don't think we've ever seen someone say, I did this because I was asked to. A mercy killing. And he said that although he didn't want to, he ultimately did oblige her request because he loved her. Hmm. And after he was medically cleared, apparently he was first taken to the hospital. He asked to be taken to speak with an investigator where he again reiterated this same thing many, many times. He loved his wife. She was sick. She'd been in a lot of pain and she asked to be killed. On November 14th, 2022, he pled guilty to second degree murder and again, use of a firearm during a first offense felony. And on February 13th, 2023, he was sentenced to 10 years for the second degree murder and three years for the gun charge. He'll be 77 when he gets out of jail. Hmm. So I wonder, did the neighbors say that they fought or did they say they were a loving couple? What about his children? They said they were quiet, stayed to themselves. They would see him walking his dog sometimes. I did read a statement from, remember their daughter was getting married, from her then fiancé, now husband, and he pointed out that, of course, and we've talked about this sort of thing so many times, that this unexpected killing sent a shockwave through the entire family and destroyed his soon-to-be wife, their daughter. And he continued, quote, It's sad that people are passing judgment on a family they know nothing about. My two daughters just lost their grandmother and grandfather at the same time and still don't know yet. Please, if you can't send prayers and positivity, keep it to yourselves. All we ask. End quote. Well, it doesn't sound like he was blaming the the husband. It didn't seem like his family hated him or blamed blamed him him from the little bit that I could find. I'm sure they were angry with him and disappointed in him and devastated and destroyed. But if you ask somebody to kill you, does it occur to you that that person is going to get in trouble? That that's murder? Maybe she was just that desperate. Maybe she'd been asking him for a long time. Maybe they had planned like a murder-suicide, but he just couldn't go through with it. Oh, true, true. I haven't kept up with this, but apparently Virginia was considering allowing people to kill themselves if they were dying and in terrible pain. But not just like shooting themselves or having their husband shoot them, like medically assisted suicide. (laughs) Exactly, medically assisted suicide. I'll have to check into that to see where that is in the process. Good idea. 
<laughs> Put it on the wall. Haven't said that in a while. That's true. I can't find my sticky notepad. <laughs> if he's not lying, potentially might have led to a different outcome for this couple. I'm sure he's not lying. Everyone said he was a nice guy. <laughs> Another one with no criminal history whatsoever. I'm beginning to get really suspicious of nice guys. Me too. If I meet somebody and somebody else says, oh, he's a really nice guy. I'm like taken off. I'm like, they don't exist. <laughs> oh, they do. They do. Okay. They, they do. They're just okay. hard to find. Okay. A rare commodity. Hmm. <laughs> They're all just very good at pretending. And speaking until they of snap. Speaking of men behaving badly, but the maybe these are just robots or AI bots or something <laughs> oh, or other. I can't wait to hear that. <laughs> and I don't know if it just happens to women of a certain age, but you know, I'll post something random on Facebook, like a picture of... It happens to women of a certain age because they think that you are gullible enough <laughs> to fall for it. Okay, yeah. proceed. So... I post a picture of, I don't know, a, a cardinal or a flower. And you get this sort of, and you don't say anything. You don't like write a poem. You just have a picture like, look at this damn stupid <laughs> Hello, cardinal. You are so inspirational. And yes, I've been nervous yes. to say for months, <laughs> but I've been reading your posts and I feel a connection. And can we be friends? You obviously have done this to a lot of people because that's exactly what it oh, says. I'm out here catfishing <laughs> old ladies left and right. No, I've just seen those on a bunch of like people's moms posts. <laughs> and so, you know, when I read this thing, and I mean, I think there's absolutely no way that you found some soul-filled connection with me over this stupid, maybe it was a bagel I ate for breakfast. <laughs> you know, it's just absurd. And I'm You like, never know. The heart wants what it wants. But what I really love, and I guess, <laughs> what I really love, and I'm sure they, they tailor these to the woman they're trying to catfish. It's all the guys that, that send me these emails. They're all in the I think military. they might be robots. Right. Yeah, they're I... all in the military. Mm -hmm. They're all stationed in Korea. They're mm -hmm. all widowed. Mm -hmm. They've all received the Congressional Medical Medal of Honor. <laughs> eight purple hearts. Cured and, cancer. You know, Saved in a village of orphans. Yes. And, you know, maybe because I'm an army brat, that's the sort of fake human that they think I'm going to be interested in. Ah, fixes in. You know, that I'm I'm interested in military guys because they're mm -hmm. so pure and dedicated. Tomo origato, Mr. Roboto. But I wonder, does anyone... I guess if they're sending out millions of these, they must get... Oh, they wouldn't still be doing it if it didn't work. I'm yeah. sure it works on someone. And Sad. you people should be ashamed of yourselves. Shame. Yes. Shame. You talk about men behaving badly, but... They might not knows? even be men. They're probably they might not be men. aliens. They might be... <laughs> I don't even know. I don't know how any of that stuff works. I'll have to do some Me research. Me neither. It's probably some hairy old guy in his underwear in a sweaty basement somewhere. Just mm, that sounds creating, good. 
Good times. But anyway, we're not here talking about robots behaving badly. We're talking about men behaving badly. And if you're not a robot, you can send us an email to talk about <laughs> men behaving badly, catfishing, the murderer you know at murderer you know at gmail.com. You can check us out on social media. We're Murderer You Know Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. If you like this bitch defining banter for you, you can give us a five-star rating. <laughs> the sky's the limit, baby. And maybe you too can get some free merch. Oh, yes. We do send <laughs> free merch to people just on a, a whim, on a breeze, on a, on a breeze. <laughs> I couldn't think of anything else. We're just Tuesday (laughs) on a Saturday, whatever we feel like it in exchange for kind words. We're really just trying to get your home address. (laughs) Google it. That's good. No one's ever going to talk to us ever again. Good job, you. A plus. (laughs) All right. Well, the podcast is over. (laughs) Single-handedly destroyed. By the co-host. That was so, the end forever. <laughs> well, it's been fun. And <laughs> if somehow we survive this faux pas, we'll be back next week. Yes, to talk about either more either. men behaving badly oh. and or what would our parallel be? Oh, it would be Bonnie and Clyde. A great story. The year was 1992. Boys to Men was on the radio. Murder, she wrote, was on the TV. (laughs) Summer was in the air. That sounds like a good episode. Y'all should go back and listen to 33 and 34 in preparation, just in case. Well, I will see you next week. All righty. See you next week. All right, ta-ta. See you next Thursday. Bye. 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 Bye.